What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Madden Insiders podcast. I am Holden, as always, joined by new puppy owner, Lights Out. How's it going, Lights? <laughs> What's going on, Holden? Not technically a puppy owner yet. Uh, I'm still about to adopt a puppy, but my, my wife just came home with a puppy and fell in love with the puppy, so probably going to keep it. <laughs> it's, it's a done deal at this point. There's no going back. So we're going to go ahead and cover week three and week four of the Madden Ultimate League for you guys. A lot of games to look at, a lot of new developing storylines, a lot of meta changes as well. Uh, kind of seeing some West Coast offenses start to struggle, kind of the rise of cover three cloud style defenses, um, you know, dollar style defenses doing very well against the aforementioned West Coast. So just a lot of things evolving throughout this long 10-game season from the Madden Ultimate League. And that was something that we wanted to start off with right away was the rise of that Cover 3 cloud. Lights, do you have any kind of input as to why that might be becoming so effective and kind of the go-to defense at this point? Yeah, it seems like we're seeing a lot less Cover 2 and a lot more Cover 6 and Cover 3 cloud. It's mainly because in Cover 2, it's tough to stop the run. And you are seeing cover two when people are running West Coast Bunch. But when it comes down to the, the dive stretch combo that True Boy is running, uh, Dreeny problem, it's kind of tough to be in cover two because in cover two, you need to deep blue that middle linebacker. And that's going to completely take away from the run fit. Uh, so that's one less guy to stop the middle run. Whereas cover three cloud, it's essentially cover two on one side, cover three on the other side. But you have two hook zones. One probably you're going to control. The other will be in the run fit. And then the safety you could bring down to play that single high. So you can't get beat up the seam. Yeah, that's it's definitely has been very interesting to kind of watch the defensive meta evolve from uh, the whole Tampa 2 to now more cover 3 based, uh, which I think is really cool. It kind of went from Tampa 2 to cover 6 a little bit. And then now you're starting to see more and more cover three cloud. You still see cover six against, you know, certain run style offenses. Like you saw Musafa run it very, very effectively against someone like Problem. And at this point in the year, it seems like at least for this division or this conference, rather the Legends Conference, it's either offensively you're running West Coast gun bunch or you're basically running the ball a ton like somebody like Tweez or Problem. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out for the rest of this group and then also for the elite conference where there's a little more diversity and we talked about uh you got stevie J runs tight slots spot me does his stuff so uh, just a little more variety from the elite conference coming up in a couple weeks right and not only variety just the fact that most of those guys are passers so yeah. i mean besides stevie J is a runner joel could, could be a runner he's a runner this year but when you look at guys like Kiv, when you look at Goes, when you look at Skimbo, when you look at Spot Me, they're the top passers in Madden. And looking at the Legends Conference that we're watching now, it's an offensive struggle. And it is the adjustments that people are making on defense. But at the end of the day, there's really no one here that's a top passing player. Like, you have Problem, he sits at the top at 4-2. and two. Drini, 4-3. and three. Safa, 4-3. and three. Joke, 4-3. and three. Then Dubby at three and three. Dubby's a passer. He is a passer, but he's he's he, although he did have you know a good win this week. He's struggling overall in those six games. Joke, Safa, yeah. Drini, and Problem. Although they're on top, they're not really passers. You know, I mentioned that Joke is a defensive player first, and he likes to establish a run, which you know it's kind of seeming like he needs to because he he had a tough week this this past week. Um, and then and then moving on with Tweez, True Boy, and Chaos, although Chaos is more of a passer than a runner, they're still not 
the best passers that we have to offer. And the next conference, I think, if we do see West Coast, and we are going to see West Coast, mm-hmm, for sure, I think we will see a better West Coast version from Go, Skimbo, Kiv, and, and well, not Spot Me, but Spot Me will, I think, at least be solid on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, some other candidates to be running that West Coast, we saw Blocky run it every time we've seen him so far this year. I've heard Prodigy could be running West Coast, but I can't believe I forgot about Joel when mentioning the variety when he came out week one running that run and shoot against Ghosts. Um, That's probably the most unique offense that we've seen as of yet um, so far this year in the Madden Ultimate League. But staying with that Legends Conference, starting at the top of the list, so problem. Problem sitting at top four and two, uh, half a game ahead of a few other guys uh, by virtue of having played one less game. Um, but we saw him in his one game this past weekend drop a match to Chaos 27-13. And really, we didn't get to see much from the first half. By the time we started seeing it, problem was already down 16-3. Hits a long run out of halftime, 77-yard touchdown out of HB Stretch. Kind of makes it interesting, but Chaos was able to hold on. And problem really looked rough, especially through the air in that second half. Four for 11 for 52 yards and an interception I have him going. And it was Chaos running, like we mentioned, that 4-3 normal cover three cloud. And it seems like that's the recipe to beating problem. You have to jump all over him. And then his offense isn't made to win games where he, he starts in a big deficit right off the bat. Not that anybody's offense is, but his offense probably is the least tailored to digging himself out of a hole like that. Exactly. His offense is all about control, uh, making sure that he gets the last possession at the second quarter, last possession at the end of the game. He could win the game every time by three points. It doesn't matter who he's playing. I mean, sometimes he will blow someone out, but as long as he wins the game, that's all he cares about. And he typically does a really good job at that. But if you get on top of him early, like you're saying, and you establish you know, a two-touchdown lead on him, he can't really play the same way. And you mentioned Chaos did run that cover three cloud at a 4-3 stack. Nothing really too sexy about it. It's just the fact that you know it, it stops the run pretty well, and the left side problem wants to attack the corner out. And a lot of his play setups, he has a corner out that he's trying to hit above the cloud flat, which is really easy to do in a cover two. It's not so easy in a cover three cloud with all those 91 zone, 91 play rec defenders. So I think that was the issue right there. The fact that that 4-3 stack, although you know not crazy with the pressure schemes, it really did a good job at making problem pass the ball. And Chaos definitely did a solid job at stopping it. Yeah, and I think another thing to note, kind of out of that, you know, the 4-3 stack versus a problem likes to run a lot of passing plays out of deuce close, runs a lot of like bench and PA misdirection, is Chaos was baseline pressing. And so whenever you're baseline pressing out of that cover three cloud, you, it kind of you you have less of a chance of getting bomb deep because of the alignment between the four three stack and the deuce close, but then also because of the fact that the safety that's playing the middle of the field is always in a cover three cloud. He's always starting off on the same side of the field as the corner that's also playing the deep third, right? So now you don't have to worry about your middle safety having to cross the entire field, and that's where a lot of people get burnt in the seam for cover three, is that obviously the outside third doesn't get back in time and then the safety has to run all the way across the field and he's not able to make up the ground well in this case now that cover three cloud safety in the middle of the field doesn't have to run all the way across he starts on the same side and that kind of lends itself to not getting beat deep as much there's still definitely the possibility because it is cover three and cover three is weird this year but that's just something that i've noticed after watching so many people start running that cover three cloud now 
Moving down that list, Drini. Now, we said a couple weeks ago that Drini was someone who wasn't looking too hot. He was 2-3, and three, but we thought that we were pretty confident in his play and that he would be able to pick it up, and he ended up getting two wins, moving his record to 4-3. and three. So what did you see from Drini these past two weeks? Just all comes down to that, you know, dollar, the one four six, that type of style where it is a pass blitzing scheme and facing West Coast guys, you're forcing them to run the ball. And... You can mix up your defenses a, a large. Uh, there's a large variety with either dollar or one four six. Either you're going to be in like DB fire cover two. I know Drini likes to be in. He he mixes it up a lot with his with his defense. But defense won him the game. I feel like in both games, and he just he he's just really effective. I I don't I don't watch his games and and see like I don't know. I don't get wowed by him. If that's like I'm not no disrespect. I I, I just feel like he's just somehow is winning like he just knows how kind of like what i was mentioning about tweez when he was winning those first two games like Drini just gets it done like if he needs to be in a shootout he's he's scoring at will if he if it's a defensive struggle like he might get stopped but he's getting that stop on defense to win the game does that make yeah. sense of what i'm saying yeah, no, like, i completely I feel agree like, i agree with you and you know i just think it, it really is defense first i think to beat Drini, you you really have to, to pound him but you know he's faced some runners and he's still he's still finding a way to get it done. So I'm definitely impressed with Drini to come back to to be number two right now, tied with Safa and Joke at four and three in this Legends Conference. Yeah, and like you were saying with Drini, it's almost like he plays. I don't want to say down to his competition, but it's like he plays based on how the game's going, right? So if it's if it's going in the direction of a shootout, he's going to put up a ton of points. If it's going in the direction of like a low scoring defensive affair then his play style just kind of like caters to however the flow of the game is going. And once again, it's hard to put into words, but... I think it's because he mixes up his plays and his formation so much. So it's like, if it is a low-scoring game and a grinded-out game, he could be in that dive stretch. But he also has shown to get out of that and you know go into three-receiver sets. So I think it's the fact that he's not confined to, to one main scheme. And that's kind of like, even though True Boy's in a lot of two tight end sets... It's kind of like almost the same way. True Boy's just mixing his plays up like every down. We'll get into True Boy in a second, but yeah. I just feel like almost all of Top Madden, besides Kiv, because Kiv is really steadily in in the bunch. I feel like they're able to not be set on one certain offense, one certain passing play, one certain run play, and just trying to find ways to get it done. Um, moving on to someone who finally isn't in Top Madden, Musafa EMB. Uh, we saw him start off zero and two. Two pretty bad losses, actually. True Boy Dubby lost 34-7 and 30-13. to So two blowout losses in the first week. Bounced back. He's gone 4-1 since to sit at 4-3. and And this past week, he took out Joke, who's kind of the ringleader of that EMB crew. And, I mean, he really put the clamps on him. Kind of showed everybody the blueprint on here's how to stop, you know, Joke's gun bunch out of West Coast. Dropped a game to Drini. Uh, who's been very hot, like we just talked about, beat Chaos 12-0, the first shutout of the tournament. And so he's just looked, you know, really, really good since kind of that two-game start. Um, There's not much to really say about him, for me at least. It's just kind of solid offense out of the Gun Bunch West Coast. And then defensively, he runs a lot of 3-4 odd and nickel 3-3-5, just mixes up. He's another guy who likes to run a lot of that cover three cloud. Um, his game against Tweez was kind of one of the first blueprints to like, that's kind of how you, sh- you stop Tweez after he started running cover three cloud. He had 
a lot of trouble against it. And then Joke played Tweez, and Joke ran a lot of Cover 3 Cloud. And then this past weekend, which we'll get to, Dubby played Tweez, and Dubby called a ton of Cover 3 Cloud out of 3-4 odd, whereas he really didn't do that to anybody else. Um, but, yeah, just solid play from Musafa all around, I think. Yeah, and one other game to mention is Safa beating Problem. Yeah, of and course. That was that was a big game in Week 3 where Cover 6, I believe, mm-hmm. was a big part of that game. Um, and that's you know that's another defensive uh, play that people are running a little bit different than cover three sky where the seams aren't guarded as much but you know one of the sidelines is guarded really well and it's stopping the run extremely well you you did a YouTube video on that little selfish plug for yourself yep, I did. that I'm giving I did you. Um, <laughs> manning up the corner uh, to stop the stretch is what people are running out of cover six and Safa did a really good job at, at, at beating problem and that was almost like the same type of thing we mentioned with problem he he got ahead. And he was able to, you know, not have problem control that game. And it's just, again, defense is first in this conference where whether it's cover three cloud, cover six, or, you know, dollar slash one, four, six to stop what people are trying to run. It seems like defense in general is definitely at the advantage and and Safadrini and problem are definitely, you know, really showcasing that so far as the top three in this conference. Yeah, for sure. And quick note on that Safa problem game. From what we saw from problem, seven carries for 15 yards. So Safa definitely laid out the blueprint on how to stop problems running game, which primarily revolves around that single back wing HP stretch. And then he'll go to deuce close. He'll run the wham and stretch. And then he likes to go to that single back A slot. And also it's another dive stretch combo. So Safa definitely with that cover six, like you alluded to, laid out the blueprint on how to stop problems running game. Now the third four and three competitor, uh, who we just mentioned, Echo Fox Joke, started off super hot, actually started off 3-0, and and then since then is 1-3, and cooled off immensely, kind of got his doors blown off a little bit by problem, bounced back, beat Dubby, but then last week, two pretty poor offensive showings, scoring 5 and 13 points, where he lost to True Boy and Musafa, and it just seems like he's starting to struggle a little bit, and it, there's nothing that I see him doing really differently. It's just kind of the same mental lapses it seems like from joke it's like one drive he'll look like he's the best offensive player on the planet and then the next drive he makes a throw and it just leaves you scratching your head now I've seen him make a couple throws now where they try to throw we've alluded to before on other episodes they throw that c route against the the cloud flat where they think the c route's going to break to the outside and get the separation and then he doesn't and so that's kind of a read where even if it's like an 80 20 yes no he gets open or not that 20% of the time, they have to throw it blind, essentially. And Joke, especially, is getting, you know, really punished for having to make that read before the receiver's able to make that cut. 100%. I think that I was going to allude to that, too. The fact that, that that C route, you know, a lot of people's crutch is that C route. And, and the way to hit it, it's so effective. And a lot of people didn't understand the kind of glitchy type of concept people are running with it. It's not the typical C route with, you know, the running back on the table. They're doing something to get this open. But as the competitors are knowing what's going on, you're seeing Gun Bunch just not being as effective because there are ways to stop it if you know it's coming. And now that people are making those adjustments, you're seeing a lot of picks with people trying to throw the C route. And I think that's definitely uh, the problem for West Coast right now with Safa Joke. Um, w, just everyone that everyone is in the know with that concept. So I think that that is something that needs to be adjusted. A lot less of that, a lot more of you know running, which Joke is trying to do. 
You know, he is definitely trying to run the ball. He, he, I'm pretty sure he understands that passing the ball right now he's not feeling comfortable in. And I just think he's running a lot of too much of the max protection, too much of just hitting the post-streak drag or post-streak in or out. It's just you really got to open it up because people know how to stop that. I mean, if you're able to just sit in a crossfire underneath coverage and take away that deep crossing route or the deep post, it's way too hard to effectively move the ball and also something that we haven't mentioned they're on a different patch than what we're playing right now they're on the previous patch where aggressive pass rush is still very 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 effective way more effective than it is now so something like 146 is extremely hard to 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 pass on because that pressure is coming in fast and if you have to make a read even blocking seven it's not the same if they're in balanced pass rush and i think that's another issue with gun bunch west coast and joke safa dubby Everybody that runs West Coast is going to have to adjust. Yeah. Before we move on to Dubby, real quick, uh, you kind of mentioned Joke going to that Max Protect, you know, three-man route so often. And it's, I think, a byproduct of before he was able to kind of establish a little bit of a ground game. He was running a lot of the single-back doubles north at HBA's power, and he was having good success with it. That was predominantly what he was running on first downs and so he was putting himself in either he was constantly getting first downs or at least manageable you know second and third down situations where he could kind of open up the playbook and didn't have to rely on specifically plays like you know dig hb out or mesh post whereas now i think people are finding defense for specifically that doubles north rushing attack between that ace power and then the the pitch which isn't as commonly seen but it's still a facet of that offense and so now Joke's being put in a lot of, you know, second and 10, second and 11, you know, third and 13 style situations where it's really limiting his playbook and then he's just not able to convert. He's trying to force plays. He tried to a third and 21 mesh post he threw against Safa where it was just like, oh, what are you kind of thinking type of read where it was a play broke down and he, he made a throw, you know, 40 yards across his body. And it's just it's one of those things where it's like almost you want to say it's uncharacteristic of joke because you know how well he can play but it's not uncharacteristic because we've seen him make those just mental mistakes before and you have to wonder if he'll just ever kind of get over that mental hurdle yeah i think play calling is going to be a big deal with this i do think the ace power is still something that can be ran often and i just think it's he kind of got away from it a lot and i feel like you know like going back to safa First problem. He got that win. Not only was he good on offense, but I mean, good on defense, but he ran the ball on problem when he tried running 146 or a dollar, whatever. I forgot what he was in, but he was definitely in one of those pass blitzing schemes. And Joke needs to stay with the run game if he's facing something that is a pass blitz defensive formation first. You know, if they're in, it's just tough because crossfire is a, a good balance of run and pasty. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, you know, having to beat that first is the biggest thing when in gun bunch and I, I think we mentioned this in week two where it's like crossfire are you really having a hard time with that there are adjustments that people are making and i did allude to some of that like hard flying the safety yep. um, over the top there's things that people are doing to make these uh crossfire defenses or any of the common defenses that we've been seeing all year to to make them much better now so i just think it's not a pass it's really not a pass first game and i think that's why you're seeing problem Drini and even safa uh, who's in West Coast, but he's running the ball good. You gotta, you kind of have to run the ball well in order to be successful. At least that's what I'm seeing from the Legends Conference. And I mean, the other conference probably will be different, and we'll get into that. It's probably coming up in in a couple weeks. But 
this conference, you better run the ball, and you better run the ball well if you're going to move on. It speaks for itself. The top two guys in the conference right now, Problem and Drini, both definitely run-heavy style players. Uh, so moving on, first competitor at 3-3 three and three here, Dubby. And Dubby's another one. Like, this entire conference is just hard to read. He started off 0-2. Since then, he's been 3-1. and one, But it's actually been each week he either wins all of his games or loses all of his games. He went 0-2. And then he went 2-0, and now he went 0-1, and now 1-0. He beat Tweez this past weekend, 34-7 in a blowout. So he looked really good, but then the week before, he lost a joke 28-14, didn't look so hot. And so he made the switch to that West Coast offense after his first game against Problem. He's been 3-2 and with it, but he's another player where it's just like, you know, one game he looks really good, and then the next game, it looks like he just kind of hasn't found himself on the offensive side of the ball and seems like he's searching for an identity almost. It's almost to the point where it's like who who doesn't make the boneheaded pick six? Yeah, and especially when it's West Coast versus West Coast. Yeah, it's like if you just go down the field and take three, like that's 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 exactly what I'm seeing from like Drini and True Boy. They're like taking three all the time. Like True Boy just keeps taking three, but he's like always in games because he barely. I mean, I'm looking at the record now. He's only three and four. But when I watch him, he's always in close games because I never really see him throw pick sixes or anything like that. It's like if you're gonna struggle, at least like don't give your opponent points because everyone's struggling on offense right now. And it seems like whoever struggles the most on offense is definitely losing the game. Even because everyone's good on defense right now. So I would say Dubby, always traditionally really good on defense. He's actually usually much better of a passer than I'm seeing right now. But I think that is the game with all the 91 zones and stuff like that. So I don't know. Dubby's in a spot where he probably will advance. Yeah. Right? I would, as long I would as he, say he probably will. Yeah. Like uh, he'll probably win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, finish 500 and be good enough to move on. But uh, he's not, he's definitely not the most impressive person I'm, I'm watching right now. So adjustments have to be made for sure. Yeah. And that, I mean, that can be said for the next 3-3 three and three guy, Tweez, as well. You know, started off 2-0, kind of surprised everybody. He is running that West Coast, but he doesn't run gun bunch literally at all. He just stays in strong close, you know, single back spread, single back doubles wide open, mainly strong close. He started off 2-0, kind of came out, surprised people with his offense, and since then, he's been, you know, 1-3. Uh, he squeaked out a game against True Boy, but he had an ugly loss against Dubby, like we said, 34-7. to and statistically, he has the worst defense in the Legends Conference as of right now in terms of points allowed per game. He's averaging, allowing 25.67 points per game. So the offensive side of the ball hasn't looked super clean either. His offense has really just been run it, run it, run it, and then kind of, you know, bomb you. And he's been getting by, but like we've talked about in the past, it's not really the way he's staying in and winning the games that he's winning, it, it doesn't seem like a consistent formula and it doesn't seem sustainable. And that's kind of, I think, what we're seeing with the hot start and then cooling off going one and three. And then, you know, if that offense isn't sustainable, his defense really needs to get better and not be allowing the most points in the entire Legends Conference for him to be able to compete down the stretch. Yep. That that win versus True Boy was everything. Because if he loses that game, he would be two and four. And that would mean four straight losses. And we mentioned week one, those two wins weren't that impressive. Yeah. Like, it was just him being a good Madden player to win those games. But as far as his offensive-defensive showing, it just wasn't that good. And, yeah, I mean, to be honest, if I'm Tweez right now, I'm I'm kind of panicking. Because out of these eight people, I still say it's Tweez and Chaos would, you know... I would, 
Yeah, uh, I would agree. Even though True Boy's a half game behind, I would I would agree. And even though Tweez beat True Boy, I feel better about what I've seen from True Boy down the stretch than what I've seen from Tweez. Because at least True Boy, True Boy's three and four, but at least his losses, like he's been in every single game, and it always seems like he has a chance to win. Whereas Tweez's, you know, he just got blown out by Dubby, and even the games that he's won hasn't felt great. You know. At the same time, though, like just again saying that the Tweez True Boy win, it, True Boy is still one less game um, behind Tweez, and True Boy isn't that safe. Like, I mean, no, he but, is, but he's no, not. Yeah, like he's definitely. I mean, he's the the bottom of of the com- well, the second bottom on the conference, ranked seven, and yeah, he is not playing bad, but he has four losses. So, but out of Tweez and True Boy, Tweez is definitely trending down more than true boy but i would say both of them you know have to have to worry and even dubby like dubby really not looking at it he is only one loss he's a half a game uh to where he wouldn't make it even though he is three and three so i don't know tweez dubby and true boy those are the guys that we have to see next week to see what happens one of them maybe they'll win two games out of the out of the two and can completely separate themselves from those three but i would say those are the three that really have to worry for sure yeah no i would i would completely agree um i'm looking at the the divisions right now the only thing i would say that tweez might have going for him but even i mean i wouldn't even really make this case that maybe his division's a little bit easier since true boy is stuck in that division with problem who has looked really good and then he's got dubby who's who looks decent depending on the day right and then safa's been trending up so he's got you know two guys at the top of the ladder and then dubby who's kind of stuck in the middle whereas tweez has to go up against you know chaos who's one in five we'll talk about him in a minute and then Drini, who's been hot but joke who has also been falling off so you know i think the law of averages i think everything will kind of balance itself out i think joke will kind of return to form a little bit and make that other division a little bit tougher but that could be a point somebody could make i don't necessarily agree with that do you it's just the thing with joke it's like he, he could keep playing poorly as far as his passing game he's just still one of the best defensive players mm-hmm. so he he just wins games just on defense and running the ball so i mean there will be times where he'll look ugly and, and lose games but just like you said yeah he, i mean him coming back to form would mean he could almost play the same it's just he'll win a lot of those games as long as he doesn't turn over the ball like if versus Safa like if he would have just maybe punted the ball a couple times on those fourth and down stop fourth down stops maybe he could have found a way for, to have his defense win the game but um yeah I mean I don't know like as far as going back to form with Joke I just think he, he I can't see him I don't know if he's gonna pass the ball any better like I just think he just needs to run the ball and, and really focus on defense if he does that then he'll come back to form I guess you could say and will make that that division tougher but I do agree with what you're saying in general as far as, as Tweez and True Boy and the divisions they're in. On to the last but not least player in this group, Chaos. So Chaos 1-5, got the monkey off his back, the upset of upsets, taking down Problem, who was looking, you know, after jokes started faltering, everybody was saying, oh, Problem's in firm control of this conference. And then, bam, Chaos comes out, beats him 27-13, jumps all over him like we alluded to earlier, 16-3. Problem was never able to quite get back into that game. So we've talked about before how many wins you need to move on. Chaos sitting at one and five, 
is there any chance that he reaches, you know, if he, he kind of runs the table a little bit, I don't know if five and five is too realistic, but maybe he squeaks into four and six territory. Is there a chance that he possibly moves on or do you think he's still just with that 0-5 start, you can't recover? Like he literally has a chance, but <laughs> literally, but just, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like literally he's only two games back from literally from being in fifth place out of eight. Cause he's only two games away f- back from W. Yeah. But just looking at the names, and, and again, no disrespect to Chaos, he's definitely a top 16 player, and he deserves to be here. But looking at the eight people, it's hard to say someone wouldn't make it. Even if I didn't look at the standings, I think like week one before we knew any of the games, we said just like more than likely Chaos, if we had to pick someone, would be the person that doesn't make it. And that's just more so all the names that are, are there. So like, yes, literally he can, but winning four out of the next five oh no winning four, he would have to win pretty much there's only four, there's more, four games more games right? he'd probably have to win uh, he'd either have to win out, out or go four. three and one to have a shot yeah right so like he can do that i mean beating problem shows that he, he can beat anybody that. yeah if you can be problem right? pretty it's much any, beat anybody it's any given sunday and even though they don't play on sunday <laughs> but uh, oh <laughs> i'm just saying like he can beat anybody he's definitely good enough to but if I had to put a bet on it, no, I don't think so. I just think he put he put himself way too much in a hole, and everyone is struggling to win consistent games. So for him to do it, it's just it's just I just think anyone it would be hard to win four out of the five games. Seems like everyone's like winning one, losing one, winning two, losing one. So no, I would say that he doesn't move on. If I had to guess, yeah, I'm looking at his schedule. I feel I feel bad for him. He's so close to being three and three. He lost the overtime game to True Boy, where he made the mental error, didn't deep blue his middle linebacker out of DB oh fire, got bombed. True Boy for, forced overtime, and then you know Chaos went four and out. True Boy kicked the game winning field. Then he also lost to Tweez in that heartbreaker, twenty one fifteen, where Tweez, I, I think that game went to overtime as well. Yeah, that game did go over to overtime because Tweez missed the field goal to win it, mm-hmm. and then it went to OT. Tweez got the ball, drove down. And I think he hit a low point in the end zone to Bo Jackson to win 21-15. So that's two games in overtime that Chaos has lost. And that's how close he is from being, you know, 3-3 three and three and right in the thick of things. We're probably talking about him advancing if he won both of those games. So he, his, the potential is definitely there. But losing those very winnable games is, I think, going to be the deciding factor is how many people were able to win the close games. Because people get blown out someone has an off day or someone's playing out of their mind it happens but when you can win the close games i think that's what really really matters and is going to make the difference and separate you know the, the pack down the stretch he's going to have to pull a safa safa started off 0 2 he then went 4 and 1 in the last couple of weeks if he could go 4 and 1 no 3 and 1 i don't know what i'm saying hold on yeah. let me be back well, if he goes three and one, he'll be at four and six. And so we talked about earlier that four win benchmark. That was a number that came up where you know if you get to four wins, you have a shot at least at advancing. Now you're looking at everybody else. True Boy at three and four. He's kind of the closest to him. You got W and Tweez at three and three as well. We have to see what happens with them. But you got to think True Boy at three and four. If he wins, if he goes one and two, which is which is possible. Uh, he ends up at four and six. So kind of best case scenario is chaos. If he goes three one, gets into a tiebreaker, and then he hopes that he wins out. The problem is, depending on what the tiebreakers are, I believe it's probably going to end up going by points first, like point differential, and then head to head. That's what they've done in the past. 
And Chaos has had a couple bad games where he lost by 20 to Drini. He he got shut out, lost by 12 to Safa. So although he did have some of those close games, his point differential isn't the greatest. So, but he could go four and zero and finish five and five, and you know show everybody and end up advancing without any tiebreakers. So you just never know. But like we said, super close to being three and three. Unfortunately, he's at one and five right now. So hopefully you can. One thing. Hmm? One thing. Do we know who he's playing? For those three games, is, is he playing Tweez and True Boy? Um, well, he's got to play everybody in his division twice. I know that, so he's gonna have to play Tweez again. He's gonna have to play Drini again, and he's gonna have to play Joke again. So that's gonna be three of his final four games right there. And then I th- okay, yeah. so he has to be Tweez. Mm-hmm. Like now, now let's really look into it. He has to be Tweez, yeah. and then Tweez. So Tweez and True Boy both have to go. Well, True Boy has to go one and two, and Tweez has to go one and three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So if Chaos could beat Tweez, then he just has to win his, well, two out of, he has to win two wins and lose one. So either way, he has to go three and one. Either way. But he has to beat Tweez. If he doesn't beat Tweez, he's not going to advance, I don't think. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, because then Tweez gets that guaranteed four wins. And he would have Tweez would be ahead of Chaos, no matter what, if they have the same record, I believe. So, yeah, he has to beat Tweez and then also only lose one game in order to have a shot. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the tough part. We talked about him losing to Tweez, but then he lost to Drini. He's got to play Drini again. He he kind of got blown out twenty seven seven, and then he lost twenty seven seventeen to Joke. So two double digit losses to two guys. He's got to play again. Not the most optimistic outlook. But, you know, he just beat Problem by 14, so really anything could happen. Uh, But it'll definitely be exciting over the next two weeks. All right, so for this next segment, we're going to take a couple questions from the listeners. So the first one here, we got Garrett Barnes writes to us, what are the best route combinations in the game in Madden 18? All right, so the best route combinations in the game, I would assume he's meaning to beat zone coverage, which a lot of people mainly use zone in Madden 18. So yeah. I would say naturally every single Madden, a flat corner fade or flat corner streak typically works. I would say due to the 91 zones, it's kind of tough to just rely on that because a lot of the, uh, let's say a cornerback in a deep blue zone, he'll play the streak and then come back down hard reacting to the corner out. So you have to be careful with that. So I would say specifically when looking at that type of route combo, you want to have a long corner out with a fade and I like to do that making sure that the fade is kind of towards the outside so I'm trying to let me think of a, uh, a formation let's say I guess like gun bunch is a good example to play curl flat yeah you that's, have, that's what I was thinking yeah so you have the slot receiver on a long corner out and you could just put the outside receiver on a fade and that the reason why I want him on a fade is because no matter what type of zone coverage they're in, usually, like say it's an outside corner, is in a cover three deep blue, the, the outside third, he'll play the fade. He has to respect that or else we can beat him deep with that. So as long as you really uh, have him play deep, then by the time the corner cuts, and since it's not a, a short corner, since it's a long corner, by the time he cuts, that fade is pretty much, you know, pretty deep that even though the corner reacts... 
you should still have that opening. And uh, versus cover two, it would work the same way. The good thing about cover two is you don't need an outside fade. You could even have like a tight end on a streak. As long as you have that uh, safety, the deep half on that side, kind of having to respect another deep route. Um, and again, it could be to the middle. As long as he's not you know, playing strictly to the corner out, then that's going to be open. So I would say long corner outs to get big plays, to get like above 20 yards, I would say that's a really good concept. You don't even need a flat. Uh, a lot of the times when I do this type of concept, I'll have like a backside in route or drag that eventually will get there just in case a cloud flat kind of sells out completely to it. Then you could just dump something off underneath. So I don't know. Uh, that would just be number one first thing on my mind as far as best route combos. And that's just because it beats every type of zone coverage. It's The only thing is you're going to need time with that. So yeah. I like to also block... Like, again, with Gun Bunch, like if you could block the tight end, have a corner and a feed, and then have your isolated receiver on the opposite side on a drag or an in, that should work pretty well. No, I, I agree that that is a very, just like simple floods, I think, are easily one of the best route combinations. Not because they're so effective, but it's a very simple read. And kind of based off that, I would say, in my opinion, I think of like corner strike just high-lowing the flat defender. Um, obviously it's a very popular concept and at the highest level of play people are going to have defense prepared for that type of combination but against the general populace of Madden players you're going to be able to have success with a style like that you know against 95% of players and they're going to have trouble kind of adjusting and completely locking that up and then kind of to complement that you think of stuff like Gun Bunch West Coast with Dig HB out and Mesh Post where it becomes basically a high-low over the middle so you're switching from a high-low on the flat zone to a high-low over the middle whether it's a hook zone defender or the user defender whatever it might be so just high-lowing and making the read as easy for yourself as possible I think is probably the best way to kind of approach that style of route combo um exactly so, yeah. I mean, that's just literally the, the long corner out was just number one of what I was thinking. I have like a, a bunch I want to share for this video. The corner strike is completely different to where it's a sharp corner. It's a small corner. And that yeah. would work really well. Um, it's just it's a very quick read when it comes to that corner flat. It, it is a high-low read, but it's different than the long corner out because the long corner out, you don't need a low read. That's the, yeah. that's the only thing. It's more of a simple reverse everything. Where corner strike, you have to be careful. You kind of want to be on the short side when throwing it. Because you have to limit the space on the throw since it is quick on the cut. Um, it's just, you know, after some practice, you take that into certain games like a cover three underneath coverage. You should be able to hit that corner out every time as that hard flat will play the flat route. So that's yeah. why corner strike becomes a really good uh, route concept to go to, which again is high low to the outside. Now, when you said high low to the middle, saying like dig HB out and mesh post, that is definitely. Uh, another route combination that is one of the best route combinations in the game bar by far and that's the streak post and then either a drag or an in route so essentially you need a streak in the middle that way uh to, to stop the two biggest defensive zone coverages which is cover two and cover three right now cover three mainly crossfire cover two mainly coverage and in cover two they deep blew the middle linebacker so you need a route that's going to bring that zone up the field same thing with the single high safety and a cover three you're going to need that streak to make that uh, safety guard him deep down the field and by the time the post cuts now he's going to have a vacant opening between the hook zones and the deep blue zone that's going to force our opponent to user that and if they use her that, that's why you want an underneath route kind of working the middle almost at the same time. If you watch Gun Bunch, they usually motion the in route uh, in a step on the bunch side. Or if it's a post, they'll motion 
well, I'm sorry, they'll motion the in route out a little bit, kind of just to make sure that when they cut, they're cutting at a perfect level, perfect spacing to where you can play both at the same time. And again, if they play the post, you'll hit the in route or the drag, or if they play the in route or the drag, you should be able to hit the post to the middle. And then also to keep alluding on this, you can actually hit the post as he crosses the sideline. So that yeah. that's definitely, I would say that's probably the best route combination in the game. Um, it's just, it's just, it's only a three route combo. So blocking seven, it blocks most blitzes. And a lot of people like to send like crossfire pressure. That That is why, you know, it is one of the better combinations, but it, you can't just strictly use that combination uh, in order to be successful. Yeah. So, so yeah. what we have, we have the, uh, we have the corner strike. We have the long corner out fade. We have the high low over the high middle. low. I would say to wrap this up, I would say mesh concepts. So two drags with a deep in route or a post is definitely one of the best Madden 18 concepts. Having two drags to where you know if they're playing over the top coverage, the hook zones are not playing the drags aggressively, or the user is not playing the drags. We could dump that quick. If the blitz is coming, or we could wait and as they are hitting the sideline to to you know hit them for a nice like four or five yards plus more with a, you know potential yards after the catch. So drags are definitely big in Madden 18, and if you could complement that with an above in route like a 10 yard in route or a post route or even you know corner routes and C routes where you have a drag going from right to left and then the yeah. C routes on the left side that would get open if the drag route is covered more times than not. So that's definitely a big combination of Madden 18. Yeah, drags definitely very versatile in the sense that they can fill in as like a backside flat route or with the playmaker feature. Uh, if you're playing Mutt or Salary Cap and you have a playmaker wide receiver, playmaking him up the se- up the field and basically turning him into a delayed seam route is uh, definitely another very effective way to utilize those drag routes. Exactly. Uh, PMD8212 wrote in how to not get beat deep. And I'm assuming, uh, I would assume he's talking about out of like cover three cover four and so i mean obviously it could be kind of as simple as you know don't press uh, but if you do want to you know run a baseline press cover three style shell um what exactly adjustment wise can you do to make sure those outside defenders don't get beat deep i know uh, we have a couple in mind uh, my my first inclination would be to put the outside defenders into deep half zones rather than deep thirds. Is that something that you think would be effective? Right. So the question is kind of general: how to not get beat deep? Like you like yeah. you mentioned, there's tons of ways to get beat deep. It could be literally like, do you want to guard the deep middle? Then you want to play cover four and cover three. Are you worried about you know the deep sideline? Then cover two does a good job just naturally. But then as far as like adjustments, like you said. If you want to play like a cover four, or cover three press coverage, I would actually say to start off, avoid baseline pressing. Because if you baseline press in a cover three or cover four, or actually anything in zone, the way that this game is with the spacing of the field, the splits on the, the four offensive formations sometimes line up. The receivers line up way to the outside of the cornerback, depending on the formation you're in on defense and the formation they're in on offense. So just off top, if you baseline press, you're leaving yourself vulnerable in a lot a large case to where you have to actually manually move that corner back. Uh, and if you're a casual player or a beginner player, you probably want to avoid doing that. So I would just say from the beginning, if you want to press, you want to literally just press coverage. Um, now, what you were mentioning as far as the putting the corner in a deep half or an inverted 
uh, deep blue zone, that's definitely going to work, especially when you're in a cover three defense and they are on, say they're trying to attack the right side and they're on the left hash mark, which means the, there's so much field going towards the right side. A lot of the times people are going to try to not only try to attack the sideline, but they're going to try to attack that deep seam for a touchdown. And when you're in a cover three, the cornerback on the outside right is not playing the seam. He's playing, you know, the outside uh, court, outside what is that called? Outside. Yeah, I got it. He's play. He's playing an outside third, so the seam is completely open. In order for you to stop that, the biggest, the easiest adjustment, like Holden said, is definitely put that corner in a inverted deep half, which he'll then play the seam. You also have this, the safety that's going to play the middle if he doesn't play it. Like pretty much, you try to throw that throw. One of them is going to be able to pick that off. Um, and that's pretty much necessary if you're going to constantly press and especially baseline press in cover three. Uh, as far as cover four, you just the, the main thing you have to worry about that when you baseline press is just moving the cornerbacks back a few yards, a few yards and a few yards to the outside. Uh, if you don't do that, then you can be susceptible to getting beat deep, even though you have four deep blue zones playing deep. If you don't move them back, then you're definitely going to be in trouble if you baseline press. Yeah. So as you guys can see, it's it's very dependent on the style of defense uh, and kind of your pre-play adjustments and how you're aligning your defenders. Um, but in general, if you're running some type of cover three, cover four zone, you don't want to press without making it, uh, additional adjustments. And then if you're playing like cover two, obviously, uh, if you're worried about getting bombed deep over the middle this year, it's very popular to put a middle linebacker in a deep third. That can help out. Um, so it's it's definitely dependent on the style of defense you play. So Lil Thumps wrote in, he said, So I went to my first live event this year and did fairly well considering the people I played. I went 0-3, but I lost a heartbreaker to Han Solo. And then I lost a close game to Poison, who beat Problem in that tournament. So in that tournament, I'm assuming he's talking about the Vegas. I think it was the Vegas tournament where Poison beat Problem. Um, and he said, I was the only one in my group to not get flooded by Mr. Moss. So, so I feel like I have kind of plateaued as being a very good player, but not quite a player that can make a deep run in a tournament. I was just wondering how you guys got past this point. He said, thank you so much. So I'll kind of let you. Oh, he, he also said Matt and Dilly for life hashtag. And if you're ever <laughs> going to write a question to us and hashtag Matt and Dilly for life, you will get answered. I don't care what kind of question he did, you ask. He did add in that on the end there. Uh, my bad for forgetting to say it. But yeah, so hashtag Matt and Dilly for life definitely gets you kind of bumped up the pecking order a little bit. But this was a great question. I think it kind of can carry over to a lot of different people who spend a lot of time getting better at Matt and getting better, getting better. And, you know, putting all this time into it and then they hit a point where they go to a tournament and I mean, he said he was, it was his first tournament and yeah, he went 0-3, but he played, you know, three players who I've heard of before. So I know the level of competition was really high, so it's nothing to get, you know, down on yourself about. Um, but I think it is something a lot of people run into where uh, they spend a lot of time and they go out and they don't have a ton of success and then they kind of think like, okay... Like, what can I do to kind of get past this point? Like you said, he kind of feels like he plateaued. So uh, I know you might have some advice to that. You've kind of had a, a much longer competitive career than I have. So I'll kind of let you take this one. Yeah, so I've been playing Madden for 10 years. And I remember first starting in Madden 06, played strictly online. Madden 07, I went to two Madden challenges. And at the end of the year, I went to a actual live event. I traveled from New York to 
DC to go to one, and I lost my first game to a guy named Jarvis. He was one of the best players at the time. He won a Madden, like the whole Madden Challenge, I think in Madden 06, if I want to say. I think he might have been the, the actual champion going into the following year. So he was like, the, there's a lot that you that goes into live events where nowadays you don't really experience many live events. So I would say first and foremost, don't put, don't put yourself down for losing in live events because the way that the game is structured now, most of it is online play. And then when you go and actually travel to EA, like an actual EA sanctioned live event, it's not, you're not playing live. So you have your own TV. It's a different experience than going to one of the, uh, like say a Vegas tournament or a Jersey tournament or something like that. But at the same time, I would say the biggest thing that I noticed early while playing tournaments was it's not just your skill. Uh, a lot comes into play. So for you to say that you've plateaued as being a very good player and just not quite a player that can make a deep run, that's so not true. You know, going to your first tournament, there's a lot to learn. It's not just how good you are at Madden, but it's kind of getting a feel of what you need to win. And the biggest thing that I noticed was don't over-adjust. Like, don't overcomplicate things in your offense and defense. Like, you have to really simplify things when playing um, really good players and want to go on a run to where you can win a tournament. Especially at a live event where you can't see your play art sometimes, like if you can't look at your offense and defense, you really have to make sure you're comfortable with what you're calling on offense and defense. And, you know, like a going, like, like I said, my first few years playing, I was really good. Like I was pretty much from Madden 07 to now. Every year I've been relatively as good as every other year. Like I've always kept it to where I was a high quality, really good player. But, in the beginning of my of Madden career, I wasn't winning those type of big games because, like I said, I was trying too much sometimes on offense. Like, I would try to over... I would... Like, I'm trying to think of an example back in the day. But it was a completely different game, but, like, maybe try to do too many quick pass throws or too many rocket catches or things where it's, like, would, took, would take skill. And it's, like, why am I doing that if I don't need to? Like, you, you kind of get a feel of... If you watch someone like Problems, a really good example, he never makes it hard on himself... And he'll never wow you on offense, but he always gets it done. And whenever he needs that fourth down, he'll come out with a play that you might have not seen yet during the game. Like, he just manages the game. So I would say managing the game properly, play calling comes into play, keeping yourself calm, keeping yourself confident. A lot of things throws you off. Like, if you're nervous, if you're anxious, even if you're the better player, you're probably going to lose. Especially if you're playing a named person, like he mentioned, Poison, Mr. Moss. And I forgot who the who the third was. Han, Han Solo. Solo. I, I think Solo was in uh, one of the club series either this past year or last year. Exactly. Um, but I've definitely I've definitely seen him play. So yeah, three you know known opponents. Yeah. So that that type of stuff you need to get over first is making sure you're confident, making sure you're comfortable, making sure you're simplifying your game, uh, making sure that. You don't try to play differently. Like some people will go to a live event and play completely different than they play online for some reason. Like literally just like trash talking if someone's trash talking you or just literally being in front of someone that you've seen before in a live event will throw you off completely. And and again, that could be nerves. But that type of stuff is what you need to fix more so than actual skill of the game. Because if you're traveling to a live event, more than likely you're good enough probably. It just comes down to executing and executing isn't just skill it's literally comfort i would say like be the more comfortable you are the more in control you are that you know what you're going to do and no matter what your opponent comes and throws at you you feel good about it that's how you're going to execute 
Um, but yeah, I would say there's so much that goes into being a successful tournament player, but I would say getting those down first are the biggest things if you want to actually win one. So that was, you know, obviously really good advice from a seasoned Madden veteran who's had a lot of success over the years. Um, I don't have quite the same competitive background, obviously, but, you know, I've been to my share of local tournaments, I've won some tournaments, um, and I think I got an opportunity to play I'm Wild in a tournament down here in New Orleans, and that was probably the most nervous I've ever been when playing Madden, just because, like you mentioned, you know, these are guys you see... You know, I just finished watching him in, like, whatever, it was Madden 16, I think. Uh, he made it to, like, the Final Four of the, the last tournament. And so I, I was used to seeing him on stream and, like, watching him play on these huge stages. And then I'm all of a sudden playing him, you know, in real life. And so it's definitely a big adjustment. And so you just have to try and tune that out and play your game. And, I mean, like, he, he said he didn't get flooded by Mr. Moss, who Mr. Moss looked really good in that Vegas tournament. And so that's definitely something to take away if, if you're competing and keeping the score close against these guys. And then at that point, you know you're good enough to play with them. In Madden, it can come down to just one or two plays throughout the course of a game if a ball doesn't go your way. And then all of a sudden, you, you, know, you lose by three or four or seven points. So definitely, if you're being competitive, I think there's there's nothing to hang your head about. Yeah, I want to, before we move on to the next question, I want to just say that make sure you take every type, of, every type of experience like that and actually learn from it because there's times where I've, I've said the same thing to myself, like why, like am I just not good enough to win these tournaments? Like I feel like I am, I see the winner of that actual tournament, I'm like, I'm better than this person, like why are they able to do it and I can't? And it's just like the things that I mentioned Plus, I would say knowledge of the game, making sure you're prepared. I would say that's one of the biggest things is that when I actually had success, I was just extremely prepared. And some people don't need to be prepared. Some people just naturally have it. Like naturally, the things that I mentioned prior come come to them very easily. Whereas like if you're a natural nervous person, you know, you have to make sure you're prepared for everything because then if, if you see that nickel three three five and you've been facing it online all the time, you know that I beat this I beat this defense in weekend league like every single weekend. There's no way, and that that, that yeah. comes to confidence because then you then you're you know, it's when you see something completely different, then you're like, damn, like what do I do? Especially at a live event because you can't look at your plays. So I would say preparation, knowledge, uh, make sure you keep watching Holden on YouTube. Make sure you check out the stuff I'm doing. Seriously. <laughs> Um, and not just us, but any anyone that's providing content on Madden yeah. is definitely going to be helpful in that department. But then again, it also will come down to play calling, execution, and things that you can't really practice. You just have to get experience in these big game tournaments. So we're going to take one more question here from Steve Keone. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, but he asks, how to stop your cloud flats from converting to man-to-man coverage? So this happens essentially out of some formations where either you get like a four by one set. So basically like think out of gun bunch and you motion your running back over uh, to the side of the bunch. So you now have four eligible receivers to the right and one to the left. So it's cloud flats, natural behavior to convert to man to man coverage. Essentially, if you're the only, uh, or if the receiver on that side is like the only threat on that side of the line of scrimmage, then he converts to man to man. And it also happens, uh, in other situations where it can happen even if like the running back's blocking sometimes. Um, I know there's there's different ways to get that kind of animation, or not animation, but behavior, I guess, to trigger. 
And so uh, it's definitely a common way you see a lot of the guys getting these like C routes open, these just common man-to-man beating routes since they know, okay, I'm going to have man-to-man coverage no matter what. On the back side, this kind of got popular last year. I saw it a lot. Um, and one of the main ways was changing the cloud flat to like a curl flat, a purple zone. Um, but this year, uh, I know a way was to shade underneath and then shade over the top. Or do you even need to shade underneath first lights? Can you just shade over the top immediately and have that take care of it? You need to get them on over the top coverage. So I'm pretty sure you have to go underneath and then over the top. But um, I'm going to go even further with this. And the whole thing with zone coverage is that zones have rules to them. So they're supposed to do something. Uh, You look at some hook zones like the vertical hook and the hook curl. They play differently sometimes a vertical hook. That was another question that we didn't actually get to, but I'm going to kind of try to answer that too from uh, Funny Productions 24. Shout out to you. So so vertical hooks convert to man coverage depending on the formation. If like the guy that's near him, the slot receiver on that, that's on that side that's going deep on a seam, he'll convert to man. Um, doesn't always happen because some trip sets, these type of rules are negated. It really comes down to either four by one sets or two by two sets with a running back in the backfield. Pretty much the reason why the answer to this and the cloud flats in general is going over the top coverage is once you shade, you're you're completely getting rid of the rules. They're kind of going into like drop coverage. So you're telling a cloud flat to play a cloud flat, whereas usually he'll play a cloud flat, but based on the four by one isolation uh, not a glitch, but people think it's a glitch. It's actually intended. Yeah, that cloud flat, behavior, yeah. Right, that cloud flat should play that guy one-on-one. Think about if you're playing flag football or, or you know, just in general, like two-hand touch. I'm, I'm from New York, so I play, like, in schoolyards and stuff. But if there's one receiver, you're probably going to – and there's one cornerback, you're just going to tell that guy, like, just watch that guy. Like, man him up, mark him. And that's what's happening. It's like there's only one guy. If no one's hitting the flats, why would we not play him man – play him in man-to-man coverage you might not want that because it's easily manipulated in madden especially if we understand the rules so yes if you just play over the top coverage and you want to go underneath and then over the top first just to be sure that's not going to that's not going to only make sure that cloud flats play like cloud flat coverages but also hook zones as well if you want a hook curl to play and drop back deep you put him over the top coverage if you want him to play short you play him underneath coverage regardless of the rule he's in that even applies to mid reads you, you play underneath coverage on a mid-read, he's not going to convert to man coverage like he would if you typically just play a cover two with the middle linebacker in a mid-read. If you go underneath coverage, he will play almost like a spy, but a little bit better. So I think that is something that not everybody knows, and I, hopefully that was helpful for you guys. Definitely want to play underneath or over the top in order to not have your zones play man. Yeah, I didn't even know that about the the mid-reads. So I'm sure a lot of people out there probably don't know about that behavior. And like you said, I think a lot of people think like it's a glitch, but it's actually intended. That's how it's supposed to work. Um, Because hypothetically, there's no other receiving threat that's going to be threatening that part of the field. So like you said, why not play a man-to-man? Uh, so that's definitely a good way. Obviously, Madden players are always going to find a way to take advantage of even the intended behaviors in the game. So uh, that's definitely a good way to stop that from happening where uh, you get beat, like I said, on those C routes or whatever if they're running slants or even, you know, stuff like dig HP out. It's common out of gun bunch specifically, but it can definitely be done out of different styles of formations as well. And with that, that's going to wrap up episode three of the Madden Insiders podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. 
I'm Holden. And I'm Lights Out. And until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Later, fellas.